Acts chapter 5. Turn in your Bible to Acts chapter 5. And while you're doing that, we, so we've been going through the book of Acts. This is our fifth chapter in. And we're going to look back just a little bit before we look forward. Because last week I talked about, uh, this, if there was a title for the sermon, it would be Bold and Beautiful. We talked about how the disciples, filled with the Holy Spirit, were bold. They, they spoke the word of God boldly. They prayed boldly, so boldly that the place was shaken. It was incredible. It was an incredible experience for the early church, early believers. And, and at the end, it gave this picture of what the church potentially could look like, how it looked like then, and what it could potentially look like now. Oh, by the way, I forgot to do this. I, always, I get these things in my head and I forget. So I, I posted this like satire, funny thing that President Trump issued a decree that there be no more greeting times in churches. You know that awkward time where the pastor makes you stand up and greet people around you? How many of you just love that time? Yeah, there's like five of you, all right? Five extroverts. The rest of you are like, please don't make me do that, Brady, because I don't know these people. It's going to be awkward, especially if you're new here. Some of you really look forward to it. So I posted this thing from Babylon B. It's just a satire site. People were like arguing with each other about it. They were like, the president, he has no right. He can't do that. He can't make us stop greeting each other. I will greet people whether they like it or not. That's the extroverts. The introverts were like, yes. Now, they didn't shout it loudly because they're introverts. Yes. It was just, it's fake news, people. One of these days, we'll do it again here, all right? I'll make you get up and act like you like each other. It's going to be a beautiful thing. But the church, so the church, it's, it's a beautiful picture of what the church has looked like. So let's look back just a little bit. This is what it says at the end of chapter 4. It says, they had all things in common. Now the entire group of those who believed were of one heart and one mind. I think that's the reason why, even if you don't, if you're a visitor and you come from another place and you're a follower of Jesus, we're brothers and sisters, one heart, one mind. And so no matter where you are. The other night when Emma was going through surgery, I was in Orinoco, Missouri at New Providence Baptist Church with my friend Brett. I got a chance to preach there and they found out about what was going on with Emma. They prayed over us and for my daughter before we left because we are a one heart and one mind. And we're just, we love Jesus, therefore we love one another. It says, one heart, one mind, and no one claimed that any of his possessions was his own, which as the Western church, we need to work on that one a little bit because we like to hold on to our stuff pretty tightly sometimes. But instead, it said they held everything in common. With great power, the apostles were giving testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was on all of them. For there was not a needy person among them because all of those who owned lands or houses sold them, brought the proceeds of what was sold, and laid them at the apostles' feet. It's important that we get this because of where we're going next, okay? This was then distributed to each person as he had a need, as any had need. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus by birth, the one the apostles called Barnabas, which is translated son of encouragement, sold a field he owned, brought the money, and laid it at the apostles' feet. A beautiful picture of what the church could and should look like. But how does that work in the culture that we live in? So I had this, this idea, this thought. I have an illustration that I want to use. And um, I'm trying to think of who I could pick on to use. Well, Jimmy and Brian, we'll just use you two. 
Yeah, Jimmy and Brian, come up here, all right? Yeah, come on up. On the stage, yeah. We don't have all day. It's Bible school. <laughs> Seriously. All right. Jimmy, you want to wear the hat? You should. I don't want it to mess up your hair. Yeah, yeah. Brian, on the other hand, we could actually mess up his hair. You want the bread, all right? You got that. All right, so guys, guys, come over here. Stand here. You guys can see him okay, right? All right. Stand here, all right? Jimmy, you're going to stand here looking this way, all right? There. Brian, you're going to stand back to back. Back with him. Turn. No, don't hit him with the bread. All right. I'm going to fire both of you before we even get started, all right? All right, so let me ask you. So what do you see here? What does this guy have? Bread, all right. This guy, his hands are out. He has what in his hands? Nothing. You are hungry. You, he came hungry today. He, um, not only just physically hungry, but he came needing something today. Needing something from the Lord. Let's turn the, let's, this way a little bit. No, 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 no. Say that. Not yet. Right, there, like that. Okay. Needing something from the Lord. Needing something maybe from his brothers and sisters in Christ. He comes with a need, right? His hands are empty. And then we have the bread guy here. Hold it like this. This guy, what, his hands are full, right? He has something to give. And he walked in this morning. He's like, I, I have something to give. I have, I have some extra. I have some extra bread. And I know that I'm probably going to see somebody that's hungry today. And this sometimes what happens. You may have him. He's ready to re- give. And this guy doesn't even see him. Maybe he's so overwhelmed and consumed by his need, he doesn't even know there's somebody here that loves him and wants to provide for him. And then you have Brian. It's like, Dude, like you're offering it to him, like stick it out there, like, hey, just all you got to do is turn around. So let me ask you this question. What's keeping him from turning around? Pride. Spoken like a good man. Because for a man, that's the hardest thing for us, I believe, is that I have to admit that I have a need first before I can get my need met. Okay, so that's one picture, right? So you turn around, Brian. Now you turn on this way. Okay, now what do you see? So you see a man who has a need, right? And then you see someone who has the opportunity to meet that need. What is keeping him from turning around? Yes, sir. Greed. Oh, you, you know that selfishness, greed? You know... It could be fear. What is he afraid of? Rejection. That's why I didn't even think about that. Rejection, like you go to offer it and say, dude, I don't want, I don't want that. Uh, getting your hands dirty. It's messy because if he turns around, he's going to have to look at that guy in the face. And he's going to have, yeah, it is scary, all right? He's going to have to look at this guy. Okay, now also, you know what it is? It's fear that if he gives that away, He's not going to have anything left. But, but this is a picture of what we see a lot of times in our culture, in, our, in the church maybe, or just in society. And then you might be thinking, well, you know what? Why don't this guy just get a job? Why don't he just go work? But we don't know his story, right? We don't know what it is he's been through, what he's going through. 
maybe he, maybe he gave everything he had away to somebody who needed it more than he did, but he's still hungry, right? And so we've got to figure out a way as the church to make sure that these two can see each other. You know, right? Is, that, is it good? Right? Awesome. So give him a hand. You can take the bread with you. Take the bread with you. It was a dollar five, all right? Yeah, go ahead and keep it. It's my gift to you. Thanks. So, I just wanted to give you that picture because, listen, every single Sunday and every single day of the week, for that matter, we, we are going around, we're walking around, and we might have the bread. We might have what it is that they need, and it could be deeper than the bread. It could be just a word of encouragement and prayer or um, they might have even a greater need than just being hungry for a piece of bread that day. We don't know. But if we can figure out how to get the two together, that creates a beautiful picture of what the church is supposed to look like so that, and we'll see it in Scripture, so that people are so consumed and overwhelmed by the thought that, man, these people really do care about me. Like that little church in New Providence Baptist Church, they didn't have to pray for me. They didn't have to care for me or my friend Brett, but they did. They loved on us because that is what Christ would do. And that is who we are supposed to be um, in this world. We are the, the, visi- the visible image of the invisible Jesus here on earth. Okay, so you take that mindset. Now, first, first of all, I, I thought about this the other day. I want to give you... I'm just going to give you a, a little peek into to my soul, okay, into who I am. All right, so when I'm sitting in a restaurant, it makes me really uncomfortable when, I'm, when I see someone walk in and they're waiting for the hostess or the host, host or whatever, and nobody knows they're there, and they're waiting. It says, please wait to be seated, Right? And I'm watching them, and the, nobody knows from the restaurant that they're there for whatever reason. They're busy doing something else or whatever, and nobody sees them. It makes me anxious to the point where I almost want to get up and seat them myself. Like, just pretend like I work there. Like, put the little thing on. All right, well, welcome to wherever we're at. Is it seating for two? All right, come on, you know, booth or a table. <laughs> I've, I've, I've eaten enough. I know how it works, you know. But it makes me, I've watched people just walk out. I'm like, oh my gosh, they, they, it was just one of these situations. Someone had bread, someone needed bread, and they just missed the chance. Now, it could just be that those people are super impatient, you know, and they want stuff a little bit faster than maybe they, they could be a little more patient. I don't know. I don't know about you. Does that make you anxious when you see it? Like, it really bothers me. Now, take that, multiply it by a bunch, and think about how I feel as the pastor of the church, and I watch someone walk in that's new, or maybe it's the first time in a long time, or whatever it is, maybe it's the 10th time they've been here, and they come in, they sit down, and nobody goes to them and talks to them. That makes me really anxious. Because what we're dealing with in this particular scenario is much more important than just getting a good salad and some, you know, and a cold glass of iced tea. Like, we're, it's, a, it's a life difference maker or life-making difference, whatever you want to call it. But, it. but it's different for me. And I see that. And so listen, as the church, we need to make sure that we're looking around and say, who, who, who is waiting to be seated? Who is waiting to be greeted? Who is waiting to ha- have someone say to them, 
how are you doing today? Like, really, how are you doing today? All right. Now, after therapy, I'll be fine, I'm sure, with the whole restaurant thing. Maybe not. I don't know. All right. So, Acts chapter 5. If I was going to give this sermon a title, by the way, last week, I, I, 16 minutes was my sermon last week. That's because your attention span is getting smaller as we go. 16 minutes. So I just, that was like a TED talk. Boom, in and out, on with the rest of the day. It's a beautiful, beautiful morning. So if I was going to give this sermon a title today, facetiously, I would call it Give or Die. Some of you don't think that's very funny. But when I read this next passage of Scripture, you'll know why I would give it that title. But that's not what I would call it. I'm a little nicer than that. I would say, go and tell. Go and tell. Acts chapter 5, let's go. Now, right after Joseph, the guy they called the son of encouragement, <laughs> lays the proceeds that, of the sale at the apostles' feet, here's what happens next. And we're going to see some pretty significant buts in this chapter of Acts chapter 5. Joseph lays the, the prophets at the apostles' feet to be distributed to those who had need. But a man named Ananias with his wife Sapphira sold a piece of property, however, kept back part of the proceeds with his wife's knowledge and brought a portion of it and laid it at the apostles' feet. Ananias, Peter asked, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the proceeds of the land. So remember last week we talked about being filled with the Holy Spirit and being filled and enabling you to accomplish a task. You can also be filled with something the opposite of that. Filled with greed or pride or whatever it is that keeps you from doing what it is that God has asked you to do. And in this particular case, it caused them to lie about what it is that they had, the price that they had sold the property for. So listen to what it says. Wasn't it yours while you possessed it? And after it was sold, wasn't it at your disposal? Why is it that you planned this thing in your heart? So it wasn't like it was just a, this one of these, oh, by the way, like he, they had thought about this. They had met the husband and wife together. They were like, all right, this is here's what we're going to do. Um, we're going to... Basically, what they did is they sold the property and they bas basically let the people think that they had sold it for this much and they were giving all of the money to the church when actually they had sold it for more than that and they only gave part of it away. And it wasn't the fact of the amount that they gave. It was in the spirit that they gave it and the fact that they were deceiving not only man, but you'll find out that they said, you, why, why are you not only lying to man, but you're lying to God. Why is it you plan this thing in your heart? You have not lied to people, but to God. And when he heard these words, Ananias dropped dead, and a great fear came on all who heard. Duh. That's scary. Scary stuff. If you were to see this with your own eyes. The young man got up, wrapped up his body, carried him out, and buried him. About three hours later, his wife came in not knowing what had happened, Tell me, Peter asked, did you sell the land for this price? 
Yes, she said, for that price. Then Peter said to her, Why did you agree to test the Spirit of the Lord? Look, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out. And instantly she dropped dead at his feet. When the young men came, they found her dead, carried her out, and buried her beside her husband. Then great fear came on the whole church and all who heard these things. So, it would be kind of like, let's say you give a certain amount to the church and at the end of the year on your taxes, you claim twice that amount. Well, nobody will ever know. I mean, they're not going to actually come and look at the receipts. They might come and ask us and I'll send them to Dan and Dan might show them that, well, this is how much they've given because we keep a really good record of that for your benefit, you know. And so you claim more than you actually give. Or, I've even heard this done before, someone would just come in and they would put in a check for $100 in the offering plate, take out $50 so they could then get credit for the 100 but only really give 50 Now, I'm not saying any of you have ever even thought about doing that. Because we know our system's set up a little bit different. It'd be hard to do that. But it's possible that you could be dishonest with yourself and with the Lord about what it is you're truly giving. Now, I have never seen anybody fall dead as they're leaving, (laughs) placing anything in the offering basket. But my guess is, is there's probably been a few people that have, in their prayer time and in their thought life, they're thinking, you know what? We we really haven't truly been that generous. We're probably holding back when we, but you know what it comes down to? It comes down to one of the same things that's keeping the guy from turning around and offering the bread. It is fear. It's fear of thinking, man, if I give everything, then I don't know what will happen after that. And this is, not a, this is not a giving sermon. This is a heart check for all of us to make sure that we are being honest with the Lord in our dealings, especially when it comes to money, because that's the number one issue. Man, you start talking about money and marriage or money and church or whatever it is, and people get really freaked out about it. But if you read it, you read further on in the Scripture, Paul told the Corinthians, like, give as your, heart's, as your heart desires and as you find it being a joyful thing. Like, give, give according to what God has asked you to give. And so my, my question, I wonder about this. What if the wife would have came in and she would have been honest with them? Do you think she would have died? I don't think so. I think if she would have came in and said, you know what, I've, three hours she's been thinking about this. She's like, you know what, I just have to be honest with you. We really sold the land for this much and we decided that we were only going to give part of it I'm so sorry would you please forgive me I want to make it we'll make up the rest but she didn't do that she went along and she kept the lie going but he's but Peter said to him like wasn't it yours in the first place you didn't nobody told you you had to give the full amount you didn't just have to be like Joseph like don't think that well I have to be like everybody else in the church got to do that give this certain amount no it was yours to begin with. You decide in your heart what it is that you're going to give. And if the Lord asks you to give it all, then I would encourage you to give it all. And experience the blessing that comes. And I can tell you there's story after story in this room of people who probably thought, you know what, I really can't afford to give, but I'm going to go ahead and give anyway and trust the Lord. And God turned around and gave them more than they could possibly ever imagine. Like these, not only did they die, but they missed out on an incredible blessing from the Lord by being obedient. All right? Enough about, enough about that. We could, that's a whole 
sermon all on its own. Then it says, oh, I'm sorry, about three hours later, then it says, many signs and wonders are being, this is in verse 12 now, I'm sorry, Acts chapter 5. Many signs and wonders were being done among the people through the hands of the apostles. They were all together in Solomon's colonnade, which is like a, outside of the, the main temple area, there was like a porch area where people would gather. It was a, kind of a beautiful little area for people to gather. It says, no one else dared to join them. Yeah, obviously, people are dying. We heard rumors. <laughs> like, don't go there. <laughs> it's not a great church marketing tool, right? You know? But the people spoke well of them. Yeah, like those are great people. I'm not getting anywhere close to them, though, because I've heard. Believers, though, were added to the Lord in increasing numbers, multitudes of both men and women. As a result, they would carry the sick out into the streets, lay them on cots and mats, so that when Peter came by, at least his shadow would fall upon them, on some of them. In addition, a multitude came together from the towns surrounding Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those who were tormented by unclean spirits. And they were all healed. That is some great church marketing material right there. Man, I tell you, if you go and you get around those people, good things are going to happen. Then it says, The high priest rose up and all of them who were with him, who belonged to the party of the Sadducees, and they were filled with jealousy. There's the theme again, filled. They were filled with jealousy. So they arrested the apostles, put them in public jail, but an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail during the night, brought them out, and said, Go and stand in, this, in the temple, tell the people all about this life. This is my, one of my favorite phrases, especially in this passage of Scripture. Go and tell the people all about this life. Hearing this, they entered the temple at daybreak and began to teach. Okay, because of time, we'll, we'll jump forward a little bit. Look at verse 29. So they were there telling the people about this life, this life with Christ, what it means to truly live for Jesus. They talked to him about the resurrection, the death and the resurrection of Jesus. They talked to him about the Holy Spirit given to those who obey God. And it was, a, it was this incredible sermon. And they told them, you can't speak anymore in the name. You can't do it. You need to stop. And Peter in verse 29, and the apostles replied, we must obey God rather than people. Okay, so when you're talking about this life following Jesus, one of the first things you need to know, you must obey God rather than people. That's no excuse to not obey the law, though. We still need to be law-abiding citizens. But when you know that what someone's asking you to do is against the Lord, whether it's people in your circle of influence or whatever it is, and you're like, no, you might want to do that, uh, but I can't do that. I, I'm supposed to obey God. And that's what separates us from each other. Says the God of our ancestors raised up Jesus, whom you had murdered by hanging him on the tree. So he talked about the resurrection and the death of Jesus on the cross. God exalted this man to his right hand as a ruler and savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. We are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. That's a snapshot, a picture of what it is, this life that he's talking about. This is the things that we believe and hold dear. To her heart. Now, a guy came to them and told them, hey, listen, if this thing is of God, you're not going to be able to stop it. But if this, is of, if this is of man, it'll all go away because there's been plenty of examples of that. But if this is God, you're going to be fighting against God and you don't want to do that. And they actually listened to Gamaliel's ex, his, his advice and said, you know what? It's of God. 
let's just let it go. And the Sanhedrin, it said, um, had them flogged and then sent them out again and told them again, don't speak anymore in this name. Real quickly, we're running out of time. The Sanhedrin was kind of like, actually like the, the um, Democrats and the Republicans all deciding to come together on this one particular issue and trying to shut this whole thing down. Now, can you imagine how that would work out? <laughs> you had two different groups of people believing two different things for the good of the, the country, if you will, the, the nation. And they came together and they said, we've got to stop this because it's, it's spreading all over the city. And they flogged them. They told them not to speak in the name of Jesus anymore. And in verse 41, verse 41 it says, Then the apostles went out from the presence of the Sanhedrin, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to be treated shamefully on behalf of the name. Every day, it says, in the temple and in various homes, they continued teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. And that is what it is that we're supposed to go and tell people about. That Jesus is the Messiah. Let me put it this way. Evangelism, I've heard it said, is one beggar telling another beggar where to find the bread. Does that make sense? So if we are to go and tell, we are the ones who are telling the person who has the need, hey, turn around because I know where you can find bread, but this is the best bread you'll ever eat. It is the bread of life. It is the bread that when you receive it, you'll never be hungry again. And if you have a need and your need is that great, you want to find something that will meet your need forever. Because it is the greatest gift. <laughs> of all. Right? It's the greatest gift of all. And he, listen, every day it says they met, they prayed together, and they told other people about this Messiah. This Jesus. Who makes all of the difference who will fill your hands with more than you can possibly ever hold, with things that will satisfy you. And I know that some of us are still searching for that. Or some of us, we've had that. And for whatever reason, whatever thing that came in, a distraction or in our life, we've let that go. He's wanting us to pick that back up again to be restored, to be reminded of this life that they were supposed to be talking about. This life, this incredible life. That's why we, we do Bible school, so that little, little kids can hear about this life that's in Jesus, so they can grow up and, and walk it out as an adult, so that they can teach their kids the same thing. 